The Chessmen of Mars Chapter 6 This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tom Weiss The Chessmen of Mars by Edgar Rice Burroughs Chapter 6 In the Toils of Horror what the creature had told her gave Tara of Helium food for thought. She had been taught that every created thing fulfilled some useful purpose, and she tried conscientiously to discover just what was the rightful place of the Kaldane in the universal scheme of things. She knew that it must have its place, but what that place was, it was beyond her to conceive. She had to give it up. They recalled to her mind a little group of people in Helium who had forsworn the pleasures of life in the pursuit of knowledge. They were rather patronizing in their relations with those whom they thought were not so intellectual. They considered themselves quite superior. She smiled at recollection of a remark her father had once made concerning them, to the effect that if one of them ever dropped his egotism and broke it, it would take a week to fumigate helium. Her father liked normal people. People who knew too little and people who knew too much were equally a bore. Tara of Helium was like her father in this respect, and like him, too, she was both sane and normal. Outside of her personal danger there was much in this strange world that interested her. The Rikors aroused her keenest pity and vast conjecture. How and from what form had they evolved? She asked Ghek. Sing to me again, and I will tell you, he said. If Lud would let me have you, you should never die. I should keep you always to sing to me. The girl marveled at the effect her voice had upon the creature. Somewhere in that enormous brain there was a chord that was touched by melody. It was the sole link between herself and the brain when detached from the Rikor. When it dominated the Rikor it might have other human instincts, but these she dreaded even to think of. After she had sung she waited for Ghek to speak. For a long time he was silent, just looking at her through those awful eyes. "'I wonder,' he said presently, "'if it might not be pleasant to be of your race.' Do you all sing? Nearly all, a little, she said, but we do many other interesting and enjoyable things. We dance and play and work and love, and sometimes we fight, for we are a race of warriors. Love, said the Kaldane. I think I know what you mean, but we, fortunately, are above sentiment when we are detached. But when we dominate the Rikor, ah, that is different and when I hear you sing and look at your beautiful body I know what you mean by love. I could love you." The girl shrank from him. "'You promised to tell me of the origin of the Rikor,' she reminded him. "'Ages ago,' he commenced, "'our bodies were larger and our heads smaller. Our legs were very weak and we could not travel fast or far. There was a stupid creature that went upon four legs. It lived in a hole in the ground, to which it brought its food, so we ran our burrows into this hole and ate the food it brought. 
but it did not bring enough for all, for itself and all the Kaldanes that lived upon it, so we had also to go abroad and get food. This was hard work for our weak legs. Then it was that we commenced to ride upon the backs of these primitive Rikors. It took many ages, undoubtedly, but at last came the time when the Kaldane had found means to guide the Rikor, until presently the latter depended entirely upon the superior brain of his master to guide him to food. The brain of the Rikor grew smaller as time went on. His ears went and his eyes, for he no longer had use for them. The Kaldane saw and heard for him. By similar steps the Rikor came to go upon its hind feet that the Kaldane might be able to see farther. As the brain shrank, so did the head. The mouth was the only feature of the head that was used, and so the mouth alone remains. Members of the red race fell into the hands of our ancestors from time to time. They saw the beauties and the advantages of the form that nature had given the red race over that which the Rikor was developing into. By intelligent crossing the present Rikor was achieved. He is really solely the product of the superintelligence of the Kaldane. He is our body, to do with as we see fit, just as you do what you see fit with your body, only we have the advantage of possessing an unlimited supply of bodies. Do you not wish that you were a Kaldane? For how long they kept her in the subterranean chamber Terra of Helium did not know. It seemed a very long time. She ate and slept, and watched the interminable lines of creatures that passed the entrance to her prison. There was a laden line passing from above, carrying food, food, food. In the other line they returned empty-handed. When she saw them she knew it was daylight above. When they did not pass she knew it was night that the Bants were about devouring the Rikors that had been abandoned in the fields the previous day. She commenced to grow pale and thin. She did not like the food they gave her, it was not suited to her kind, nor would she have eaten overmuch palatable food for the fear of becoming fat. The idea of plumpness had a new significance here, a horrible significance. Gek noted that she was growing thin and white. He spoke to her about it, and she told him that she could not thrive thus beneath the ground, that she must have fresh air and sunshine, or she would wither and die. Evidently he carried her words to Lud, since it was not long after that he told her that the king had ordered that she be confined in the tower, and to the tower she was taken. She had hoped against hope that this very thing might result from her conversation with Gek. Even to see the sun again was something, but now there sprang to her breast a hope that she had not dared to nurse before, while she lay in the terrible labyrinth for which she knew she could have never found her way to the outer world. But now there was some slight reason to hope. At least she could see the hills, and if she could see them might there not come also the opportunity to reach them? if she could have but ten minutes, just ten little minutes. The flyer was still there, she knew that it must be. Just ten minutes and she would be free, free forever from this frightful place. But the days wore on and she was never alone, not even for half of ten minutes. 
Many times she planned her escape. Had it not been for the bots, it would have been easy of accomplishment by night. Ghek always detached his body then and sank into what seemed a semi-comatose condition. It could not be said that he slept, or at least it did not appear like sleep, since his lidless eyes were unchanged, but he lay quietly in a corner. Tara of Helium enacted a thousand times in her mind the scene of her escape. She would rush to the side of the Rykor and seize the sword that hung in its harness. Before Ghek knew what she purposed, she would have this, and then, before he could give an alarm, she would drive the blade through his hideous head. It would take but a moment to reach the enclosure. The Rykors could not stop her, for they had no brains to tell them that she was escaping. She had watched from her window the opening and closing of the gate that led from the enclosure out into the fields, and she knew how the great latch operated. She would pass through and make a quick dash for the hill. It was so near that they could not overtake her. It was so easy. Or it would have been. But for the bonds. The bonds at night, and the workers in the fields by day. Confined to the tower, and without proper exercise or food, the girl failed to show the improvement that her captors desired. Ghek questioned her in an effort to learn why it was that she did not grow round and plump, that she did not even look as well as when they had captured her. His concern was prompted by repeated inquiries on the part of Lud, and finally resulted in suggesting to Tara of Helium a plan whereby she might find a new opportunity of escape. I am accustomed to walking in the fresh air and the sunlight, she told Ghek. I cannot become, as I was before, if I am to be always shut away in this one chamber, breathing poor air and getting no proper exercise. Permit me to go out in the fields every day and walk about while the sun is shining. Then I am sure I should become nice and fat. You would run away, he said. But how could I, if you were always with me, she asked. And even if I wished to run away, where could I go? I do not know even the direction of helium. It must be very far. The very first night the bonds would get me, would they not? They would, said Ghek. I will ask Lud about it. The following day he told her that Lud had said that she was to be taken into the fields. He would try that for a time, and see if she improved. If you do not grow fatter, he will send for you anyway, said Ghek, but he will not use you for food. Tara of Helium shuddered. That day, and for many days thereafter, she was taken from the tower, through the enclosure, and out into the fields. Always was she alert for an opportunity to escape, but Ghek was always close by her side. It was not so much his presence that deterred her from making the attempt as the number of workers that were always between her and the hills where the flyer lay. She could easily have eluded Ghek, but there were too many of the others. And then, one day, Ghek told her as he accompanied her into the open that this would be the last time. "'Tonight you go to Lud,' he said. "'I am sorry, as I shall not hear you sing again.' "'Tonight?' She scarce breathed the word, yet it was vibrant with horror. She glanced quickly toward the hills. 
They were so close. Yet between were the inevitable workers, perhaps a score of them. "'Let us walk over there,' she said, indicating them. "'I should like to see what they are doing.' "'It is too far,' said Ghek. "'I hate the sun. It is much pleasanter here where I can stand beneath the shade of this tree.' "'All right,' she agreed. "'Then you stay here, and I will walk over. It will take me but a minute.' "'No,' he answered. "'I will go with you. You want to escape, but you are not going to.' I cannot escape, she said. I know it, agreed Ghek, but you might try. I do not wish you to try. Possibly. It will be better if we return to the tower at once. It will go hard with me, should you escape. Tara of Helium saw her last chance fading into oblivion. There would never be another after today. She cast about for some pretext to lure him even a little nearer to the hills. It is very little that I ask, she said. Tonight you will want me to sing to you. It will be the last time. If you do not let me go and see what those Kaldanes are doing, I shall never sing to you again. 